I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the RSL show, the Real Salt Lake show on KSL Sports Network. Uh, this is your host slash producer, Andy Munoz. We've got Alex Napolis and we've got Joshua Clark. And we're doing this one over the internet today uh, because Real Salt Lake isn't that exciting. Uh, how are you guys doing? How's everybody doing? Uh, Alex, let's start with you, bro. How are you? What's new in your world? Oh, man, everything's good. Um you know, just the usual, covering sports and covering RSL. Nothing too crazy. Very cool. Very cool. Josh, what about you, dude? What's up with you? Literally nothing. Nothing cool? Nope, because that would give that dude too much satisfaction. So, <laughs> um, you're, I think you have like an acquisition meeting tomorrow, probably. Yeah, yeah. Big business meeting tomorrow. Uh, everyone keep your eyes peeled for June 1st. Big stuff coming back. Very cool. Can we just take a uh, second and roast Alex for his uh, lack of a microphone today? Yep. Yep. Did you I remind us, did we help, did you buy your own microphone or did we help you buy one? I can't remember. Uh, no. I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. He bought it so he can, he, that's okay. But also notice, <laughs> notice that he doesn't have the $120 webcam connected that I gifted him. Right. So, Alex, that's two strikes, bro. Okay, you're teetering on a on a third strike. So, be really careful about what you say on this episode. I just got home from work. I like how to hurry up and scramble and get ready, bro. If you need a minute to set up, dog, like, come on, you know, we're not that we're not that crazy over here. Um, I got you guys next time. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. My weekend was pretty fun. I, I went out and uh, did some street photography, some POV stuff. Threw that up on my YouTube. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's been fun to stretch the legs and just get out there, walk, um, get creative and all that good stuff. And then also I shared with these guys that I um, that I was going to start this diet, uh, which I've started and I'm down 12 pounds and like two and a half going on three weeks so not bad hey bro we're, we're we're getting back 
We're getting back. We're getting this winter coat off. So enough of the uh, the social hour. Uh, I just want – oh, Junior Producer's not here. He uh, is running late from work, so we're going to start without him. Guys, let's talk about Real Salt Lake, everything in the realm of Salt Lake. There's a lot of news not necessarily coming out of the club, but just from other – areas other news outlets in having to do with real salt lake and i would like to just let's just cover the first one let's get this one over with david ochoa uh being let go from his mexican side club uh today they did a official announcement but it sounds like word on the streets of twitter and streets of the internet uh it's it's kind of coming down to that behavioral issue is what i had seen is does that surprise us? I it surprises me a little bit because I, I I don't know. I I see him a different way and so when I hear news like this come out and they're parting ways with him, it's just not what you had in mind for his uh trajectory. So what are you guys' uh thoughts on that? Well, I think the best move for him initially was going to Mexico. I think Going to Liga Mekis was going to help him develop more. And not only that, but get his eyes more from the Mexican national team, right? now. But now it's becoming a trend, right? You have the issues here with RSL. You have the issues now with San Luis. It's going to be really hard, I think, for a club to look at that and be like, hey, this is a guy that we want to develop. This is a guy we want to work with. Um, especially now that that's two clubs in a row that he's been let go of for, for disciplinary reasons. Yeah, and it's it's not like he's... 19 anymore right um so you have to kind of wonder does he have someone in his corner that's giving him some bad advice um it is he just misunderstood like it, you really I, I wish we could figure out what was going on because he has such a a big upside or had right that it, it's really kind of sad to see just the self implosion that's going on right now yeah it's tough. I mean, to Alex's point, it's like, you know, your your track record, right? If other clubs, I think clubs who are of stature, if they see that, they tend to avoid um, behavioral, even if it means that they would pick up some talent from it. I mean, we see that everywhere, right? Uh, you could translate that to like the NFL when they scout baseball, basketball even. Um, so I, you're right. Uh, Josh, who knows what it is? Um, if he's misunderstood or if he's unhappy, so he kind of, you know, displays like a, a shitty attitude to kind of get out of it. Um, we got to remember that David Ochoa is still in his early twenties. And so, uh, I remember how I was in my early twenties and how I would deal with stuff. Maybe it seems like he needs a, a good mentor to really kind of sit him down and, and uh, figure out what's going on because he is a talent. He, he's a talented goalkeeper and um, he should be, he should be playing at the top level. Uh, I, I think he would be playing at the top level had, uh, you know, had all the drama. If it didn't happen uh, here with Real Salt Lake, if he just accepted that maybe he wasn't going to be starting and just kind of go back to the backup role. Uh, I think his career would just be in a much better place uh, today. Well, and I, I don't even think that was the issue. I think it was a, a contract issue, right? There was 
some big requests being made and and the other end of the bargain wasn't really being held up, uh, which caused some attitude things to flare up, which caused drama within the, the locker room. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I really hope he can figure it out, though. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, personally, I from the few times I've interacted with him, I like him. Uh, I just wish he would like figure it out and uh, maybe seek the help that he needs or the guidance that he needs to stop making uh, decisions that are, uh, you know, detrimental to his career. Cause now it's like, what, what's the next move? I'm sure it'll get picked up, but, um, yeah, you can't have that dark cloud kind of hanging over your head where you're parting with clubs in distasteful ways. Um, so that's, uh, the David Ochoa news, um, still impacts us here at real salt. Lake. we, we see it all over the social media, uh, between the fans kind of talking, um shifting over uh we shared or i wouldn't say that we were the first to share this news but uh we were the one of the first to verify it and even that kind of i wouldn't say it blew up on our faces but there was people kind of going after us on twitter asking exactly what we verified but um i want to let you guys know how um verification from sources works in sports um before before sports outlets, whether it's small like us or even KSL Sports or even other like news entities, media entities, you got to have two credible sources backing up any claim uh, that is on the Internet. Because realistically, anybody can start a Twitter account called at MLS News or whatever. Not saying that that's I hope that doesn't exist. Um, that was just like a bad example. But. Anybody could start a, an account and call it Soccer News Rumors, and they can start, quote-unquote, leaking information. And if we just roll with that, uh, then we you know, we, we look bad if at the end of the day it's, it's not credible. So uh, what we did is we took some news that we saw about Shin Yashiki being investigated by the league, and we used our resources to... Uh, basically ask within the club major league soccer if that article carried any any weight and our source says yes it's credible uh, but they didn't elaborate on it so we verified that whatever that news was even at a minimal level uh, was correct right that he was being investigated and today uh, there was a comment uh, put out by Shin Yashiki and I don't have the quote verbatim Um, But it goes along the lines of, you know, he was investigated by the police, by Major League Soccer. Uh, There's no, like, conclusive evidence of any wrongdoing or uh, the investigation has fell flat. And that's all he has to say about it. And he was not found of anything uh, criminal or anything that would hurt his uh, soccer career. In fact, he'll still be playing in Major League Soccer. Um did that fully uh, translate over to what happened with the trade and, and why that went haywire? It could have. We don't have strong confirmation of that. Uh, but um, that's just something that we felt like we needed to uh, just address. And you know what? I do have the comment here. So I'm going to go ahead and read it verbatim, and then we'll get your guys' thoughts here. So Andre Shinyashiki, two hours ago, uh, wrote, I'd like to address the story that came out today. I fully cooperated with Charlotte Police and MLS 
in their separate investigations related to or related to the incident and no charges have been filed against me. I've also been cleared by MLS to play. I'll have no further comment. Um, well, we've been kind of seeing, and again, we can't a hundred percent confirm this, but it almost seems like it was like a, like a domestic abuse, uh, situation. At least that's what I've seen. What have you guys seen? And, uh, what do you guys think of this? Uh, who would like to go first? So I think, I think, uh, it's, it's good for the RSL end. Um, obviously if we, if a player is being investigated, you kind of don't want to bring that into the locker room. Um, there, it's not the, so the article that he's talking about was released this morning. It was from an actual, like uh, Charlotte, um, it's from the actual like Charlotte newspapers and whatnot that he was investigation for, you know, the domestic violence, the sexual um, abuse, you know, whatever, whatever the situation was. Um, and so that tweet was in direct response to that investigations over, obviously MLS cleared them. Um, so, I mean, regardless, I don't think that's someone you just want to bring into the locker room. We'll go back to talking about dark clouds, like David Ochoa, you don't want a guy with a dark cloud like that following him around, right? Josh, anything to add, bro? You look, you look like you're thinking over there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I don't know if you want to consider it like a bullet dodged, right? But it it is in a sense, cause you never know which direction that could go in. Uh, it could get brought up again. Obviously you don't want to trade for a player and then immediately find out he can't leave the state, right? Like it's a bad move. And honestly, you have, you have to wonder if like Elliot fall in the front office knew or if Charlotte was keeping it quiet before the trade happened or if someone from MLS stepped in and stopped the trade because they knew what was going on. It's, it's a very weird situation that you don't see often, but I'm glad you know, it, it was resolved in a way for us, right? We still got some money. It wasn't a lot. I don't think the trade value equaled out to what he would have been for us. Um, but we did offload Justin Miram, which, you know, it is sad, but it is an aging player, which is going to give some of the younger guys some opportunity. And I think at the end of the day, that's a positive. Yeah. And it was reported, well, obviously it kind of dropped out and that was kind of the odd thing, right? Is, um, Justin Miram and other players were already saying goodbye to each other for maybe like three to four days uh, before the club had released any news uh, regarding a Justin Miram trade. We, I, did, am I wrong there? Did we receive an email from the media like the day of or the no. day after? Okay. So that was the strange thing is um, we had seen on social media that, that they were saying goodbye to him. So obviously a trade um, was to be expected and everybody had the details um, in a trade that was initially going to be just a, an even swap with, with uh, Shin Yashiki instead uh, turns into general allocation money. And the details of that is a uh, hundred thousand to RSL in 2023 uh, and 2024 uh, for the grand total of 200 K. And if certain conditional milestones are met by Miram in Charlotte, uh, Real Salt Lake will receive another uh, $150,000 in GAM in 2024. So there are a lot of fans who, um, you know, they look at this trade and they're thinking, okay, a solid 200K, maybe 350K, 
for a player like Justin Miram, is that actually a good swap? A lot of people are saying it's a bad, a bad trade or a bad deal. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Would you have liked to keep Miram around, or do you like to see that money, uh, you know, spent in other areas? Josh, you just said it. It's going to open up the the play for younger players. Uh, Alex, let's have you uh, weigh in on that. What, how do you feel about this and the money we're getting? It it purely depends on what they spend it on, right? It purely depends on what comes in in the summer. Right now, I think it's a good trade. I think it's a good move. You get the money. You give opportunities for a guy like Bertine Jackson to step up, who, by the way, looks phenomenal. And it, it you offload that older aging player. Sucks because he's a veteran, yeah, but... Like I said, it just kind of depends now on what happens in the summer, what what that money is used towards to to bring in more. Yeah, I like where your head at is with the uh, trade for cash, and I, I I have to agree with you guys. Um, opening the, the 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 field of play for younger talent, and then being able to allocate those funds in different areas for Royal Salt Lake, although. I I can't say I love Justin Miram. I love his personality and the veteran status that he brings to it. Uh, I don't think I love him as a you know football player. Um, he's done some great things here. He can't discredit his career at all. He's a he's a phenomenal player. But I think um, for what Real Salt Lake is trying to achieve, and well, I don't I don't even know what they're looking to achieve. But um, in the direction that Real Salt Lake is going. Uh, we certainly need that younger blood trying new things, uh, switching it up and not relying on the veterans so much. So actually, yeah, I, I love the the move uh, for Real Salt Lake. Um, would love to thank Justin Miram for everything that he's brought to the club. Uh, but yeah, wish you all the best, dude, in Charlotte FC. And uh, I mean, damn, like hope his career goes on for a few more years, if that. Very cool. So let's cover the draw real quick. Uh, we're going to talk about a homecoming. Was it a homecoming? I can't remember if we had an away match prior or is it back-to-back home matches? Uh, no, we went to... Um, you're talking about Seattle? Yes. Because we, we went to Seattle, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. We didn't go to Seattle. We went to Vegas. No, no, no. No, no, no. Are you the other Seattle game? Because we've already played Seattle away. No, no. He he was saying the game before. Um, yeah, like oh, the, my bad. the regular MLS game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just talking about Seattle, bro. No. My bad. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, you know what? We didn't do a we didn't show do a show after the uh, the Open Cup. Uh, let's talk about that real quick, okay? Um, the Open Cup happens. Are we impressed with Real Salt Lake barely skirting a win by? The Las Vegas lights and stoppage? No. No, I am I glad we beat them? Yes, right? And it was an emphatic win at the end, but Yeah. I mean, the lights are the worst team in the western half of the USL, like <laughs> and we didn't really look any better, right? And I know, you know, it I'm not even really mad about it, right, per se. Like it was a completely mixed up roster a new formation, right? So it was almost like a scrimmage for us, like a preseason game, I feel like, where it was, let's try something new, get a run out with like three in the back, kind of look at it that way. But, you know, when you look at it, for me, it's, are we taking it serious or are we not? And and that's where I get hung up. 
Yeah, I think historically with with U.S. Open Cups, really any tournament, um, you could look at like Leagues Cup, even, uh, no, I wouldn't say the CONCACAF champions because we took that quite seriously when Real Salt Lake wasn't it. But like it feels like any Open Cup run until you get later in as like as you start progressing ahead and maybe there's a chance of like ending up in the finals, then not only do the fans start to care, but the club starts to care. And then you start seeing the, you know, the bigger names getting involved in the roster. This, this just looked like a match um, that, you know, Pablo was willing to go in and, and maybe just lose, you know, switch things up, try things. And had they lost, it would have been like, okay, whatever. Hey, we tried back to, you know, back to the regular season. And, uh, man, it was a it was a pretty boring match. Um, there were like sparks of promise, you know. Like I, I liked what Diego Luna was doing. I think he was controlling the midfield. He was getting everybody involved. Um, but there was just criticism from both sides saying that they liked what they saw in Diego Luna, but then also, you know, that they that they didn't. And um, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that game. Barely skirted by. Uh, with the win. I'm not too impressed either. Uh, so yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll just kind of see what continues to happen. The next uh, U.S. Open Cup opponent is after the Saturday match on May 6th versus the Houston, uh, Houston Dynamo. Uh, we've got a match against Portland on May 10th, and that'll be interesting, right? Because like I said, as you, as you begin to um, pick up steam there, then I, I feel like that's where the teams pull the, the big guns. I, I do enjoy what I saw from Gavin Beavers, though. Um, without him and his performance, we would have been demolished. If I'm being quite frank, um, he he put in a put in a shift, man. He stood on his head, some great saves, and then you have to give credit to Demir. Um, comes in, well, he didn't sub in, but did he sub in? I can't remember. Suddenly, no, I, he started no, he the game. The, anyway. Yeah, because he, yeah, he went the full hundred. Yeah. But he gets the two goals in stoppage, which was nice to see. Um, but other than that, everyone had not everyone had a bad game, but a lot of people were just very meh, right? And and really without Beavers, it it's a completely different conversation. Right, and I, I think there's a lot of positives to take um to take from that game. Obviously Gavin, uh Yakison, uh, I think Amela, uh, Mecca and Nelly played really well once they moved him to like the midfield part of the of the double pivots, but a lot of positives, but at the same time, like you cannot go into Portland playing like that and expect to come out with a good result, right? Portland's yeah, a much well, better opponent, much better competition, um, MLS competition nonetheless, and so it, they really need to clean things up um, if they do decide to go three in the back again, or you know whatever they decide to do in Portland. Yeah, and then of course the the injuries were a little scary as well. Um, nothing seems too serious as of yet, but you know that. That really could have gone sideways. Had we had some more serious injuries coming out of that game, especially in the defensive third, and then and then lost as well, that could have been an absolute PR nightmare for RSL. So I'm glad we got the, the result, and I'm glad we got out of there. I mean, not unscathed, but it could have been much worse. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like Las Vegas was – they were like tryhards, you know, and for good reason. Like they were touting it as the biggest – club game like in history for them and good for them but uh, also weird stadium 
um all yeah, the, all, the beats, all the gimmicks right like i i get it they're trying to make it interesting fun for the fans and you can't hate on that man like there are so many there's so many like little independent clubs that they take themselves just way too seriously and uh they don't have a following and it's not fun and the soccer sucks so credit to las vegas man like you've got little kitty pulls on the side and uh, you got people running on the field doing weird stuff um cool like create that culture make it fun attract new people who otherwise wouldn't want to go to soccer games i, th- I think they're doing a, a cool job out there all right uh okay so we, we we barely win there and then we're ready for the seattle sounders we're ready to host a pretty good team a team that is historically uh poaches the culture of real salt lake and you know, stealing ownership, stealing coaches, stealing players, uh, stealing um, even like the club kits, some would argue, <laughs> like the color <laughs> schemes, uh, you know, with the Bruce Lee kits. Uh, Sounders come to town and our predictions, uh, I think we had it, man, I, I think I think it was split. Uh, I think we had some of us saying that we could win at home or that we could draw, or that this would be a loss. Um, I don't remember my prediction, but looking at the scoreline, I, I, want, I want to say that I probably chalked this one up to a loss because I think that Seattle is a good team. I mean, they're in second place, right? Yeah. The, 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 you got to be pretty good to be in second place. And when you look down the roster, they're, they're loaded, right? Almost any one of those guys could be a DP. Um, TAM level players all over the place. You know, you have our old captain, Albert Rusnak, um, club legend, Kellen Rowe. I've, I love that people say club legend, Kellen Rowe, because not a club legend. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute, though. Um, you got Freddie on the bench, you know, Weibel up, up in the box doing his GM thing. You know, so you're right. It's, it's RSL top to bottom there in some aspects. RSL 2.0. Um, right, but you know, some of our better players, some of our worst aspects are there. So it's not like they're getting all the best out of us, but, but, you know, you know, coming in, you're scared of this game, right? But then you realize Seattle hasn't won at the Rio Tinto stadium or sorry, America first field since what, 2011. Yep. Um, So it gives you some hope. And I think, you know, I think it comes down to Seattle's just a soft team, man. Like I don't think they can handle RSL at home. I, I, it's the weirdest thing. Like it's, it's a total curse for them. Um, but I love it. I love that. They just can't, they can't play here and we can really can't play there, but <laughs> it, it's good to be their kryptonite in a way. It's weird, man. Cause I think I, I'm sure they view us the same way. It's, uh, it's just weird. And you know, before we hop over to Alex real quick, we just want to explain that the reason for, everyone seeing the Kellen Rowe post and us writing RSL legend is just a clap at Albert Rusnak. When Albert Rusnak and Kellen Rowe come to town, obviously I think the respect would be welcome home Rusnak. Uh, but we don't do that because we're just petty. We don't hate Rusnak. We're over it. Uh, but the joke will live on because we always acknowledge Kellen Rowe when they come to town and we leave Rusnak off like he never played here. So that's the joke. Uh, we got some comments. A lot of people were asking, like, yo, is this for real? What's going on? He only played four or five matches, whatever it was. I uh, just wanted to clarify that. 
And before we get into like the extracurriculars of this match, I do want to say this is a Seattle team that has a really, really good attack. Jordan Morris, Leo Chu, Nicolo Dedo, uh, even Eber is a really, really good striker. But all credit to RSL defensively, dude. I think defensively, probably one of the best games we've played. Um, Zach McMath had to come up a couple times too to save us, but he also had a, he also balled out. Uh, very good game overall defensively from the team, and all cre- that's all credit considering how potent that Seattle attack is. And and honestly, I think playing Scott Caldwell in that defensive midfield role was the right move. Um, we we needed someone to protect that back four and essentially have a fifth defender in this game. It did hurt us a little bit going forward, but we still had our chances. Um, but but that's what we're looking for, right? That's that's why fans outside of a nine really want to see that elite six come in and really lock down that midfield for us. Obviously, we have some midfielders, but Ojeda, Ruiz, Lafelson, like that's not their role, right? Their role is to advance, get forward. Um, so I think you know Scott Caldwell having a good game and us using him the way we should really showed the necessity of of filling that role for RSL. And it's also crazy, too, because Scott wasn't supposed to play this match. Jasper goes down two days before um, before set, or, yeah, two days before the game. Um, Scott Caldwell has to step up and get the start, kind of not really knowing he was going to start that weekend. And so all credit to Scott, all credit defensively. Um, but, yeah, I agree. We it, Maybe we need to upgrade that just a little bit more. Yeah. So you guys, you guys are obviously seeing bright spots and things kind of changing around. Um, Seattle Sounders, a strong opponent could, it's weird to say like they could easily win, but also when we take into consideration that they haven't won here at America first field in uh, 11 years, if I heard Josh, right, crazy stat, Um, you know, you still put respect on their name, on their club. So let's kind of dive into that. Like what were, you know, what were the bright spots for Real Salt like this match? And then what weren't the so bright spots? Like, was there anybody on the roster uh, that you, you know, love their performance and then not so love their performance? We can get into that. And uh, looks like Josh has something to say before we dive into that. Well, I, I was just going to dive into that. Um, I was going to take the lead on that one. Um, bright spot for me was was Gomez, right? You, you said Seattle could have easily won that game. Uh, RSL could have easily won that game as well. I think it was very even. Um, Seattle did not know how to handle Gomez. Uh, kid was all over the place. Um, he he's really growing into this role. I thought Saverino looked good. You know, I'm even going to give props to Rubin. Rubin looked decent, right? He he obviously didn't score, but this was probably his best match in years, in two years. Uh, so that was a positive. Um, defensively we were sharp, but you gotta, you gotta give Vera a little bit of guff for that attempted bicycle kick clearance that he completely muffed. Um, (laughs) but otherwise, you know, he's also looking great. Um, and, and I don't really, outside of us not being able to finish, right. There was no real blemish on the, on the squad for me on that day. The blemish for me was the, the referee as a lot of people have noticed and, and pointed out. I don't think anyone was happy with the referee's performance. I can't imagine Seattle's fans were happy with the referee's performance, even though I feel like they got the better end of a lot of it. Um, outside of the penalty, that might have been a penalty. I don't think it was, but you know that referee, he, it's one of those that you just, you don't understand how it can be that bad, 
right? And you wish Pro could issue apologies to fans and players because it was it was about him all night and it was not about the play, and it was extremely frustrating to watch. I would say that possibly the only negative of that night was that Pablo Ruiz red card. Um, truly, the, I think the officiating in this one had a lot more to play in the game than than you know most referees do. Usually, referees will come and and do that. They'll referee, but I feel like Snema Sagafi kind of dictated the game. There was a many. There was a couple periods of, of uh, uh, in the second half where we would go like five minutes without even playing a ball because Sagafi was intervening in one way or another, and that's a huge negative. I think maybe. Someone else in the center. Things could have gone a little bit differently for RSL that evening, but big negative obviously has to be that Pablo Ruiz red card. Which was not a red card. Right. Not not a red card. And in fact, we're going to get to the Kellen Rose situation here in a minute, but this is a prime example as to why the fans were so on top of the Seattle players on the referee, because on that red card, Ruiz barely touched the guy, right? There's no foul there. Guy drops. This is the fourth or fifth instance of a Seattle player just go pulling a dummy and going to ground, right? Like at some point you, you get over that and, and it, you could break a leg out there and it could be obvious and people are going to boo you because they get that irritated with the referee's performance. And it's just something you have to deal with. And yeah, not a red for me. Yeah. It's just something that kind of boiled over throughout the 90 minutes, right? Because he had Lodero, you know, flopping all over the place. He had Leo Chu also trying to embellish the ref. And so it, it got frustrating because there was times where they would, you know, they in the second half, Sagafi was buying everything Seattle was selling, right? They were, they were going down, Sagafi was calling it. They were going down, Sagafi was calling it. So they would, like, stay on the floor. They were around. There was even that one where Nicola Ditto, like, rolled out of bounds and rolled back inbounds to make sure that the, the, the game stopped. And so that's where the frustration comes from. Obviously, you know, we don't we don't ever want to boo an injured player, but because of the way that the thing the game was trending, because Zagafi let it boil to that point, that's why uh, the fan base was so upset when the the Kellen Rowe situation happened. Well, and and to be completely honest, unless you see the leg snap, right? Unless you see an arm snap, unless the player's not moving, fans don't know if they're truly injured because ninety nine percent of the time they roll around like they're hurt. They get on a stretcher and then. Three minutes later, they're running back on the field, right? So to... <sighs> it's been a while since I've seen, like, the magic spray whipped out, dude. Remember, like, yeah, the magic, magic spray, spray, the magic great. water, whatever. Uh, I feel like I don't see it that often in matches anymore, dude. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you got to understand, like, you know, these are these guys are they're professional athletes. They're running out there. They can get tired. So, like, on, honestly, you, you if a player goes down to ground and they're maybe kind of... Um, you know, not in Kellen Rose. I'm not. I'm not saying Kellen Rose faking an injury, but uh, if some players can't afford some time to kind of rest up and give your 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 team a breather for a minute or so, and especially if they yeah, if they run out with the waters, dude, like that's best case scenario, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's absolutely part of the tactic, right? And we get that, but to then to for Fry to go in the media and blast RSL fans, which isn't the first time he's done it. He hates us. We hate him. It's fine. Right. Like I would never want him to play on this team because I think he's a dork. Right. But that's fine. That's my opinion of him. That's his opinion of us. But then for the fans, the Seattle writers to come after RSL on Twitter and and try to have this personal pity party because they're Seattle players and fans like dogs. And then they and then they pull this whole like, well, it you know, 
you guys complain, but you can't just turn it on us and say we do the same thing. It's like, no, we absolutely can. This is soccer. Every fan is mean. Even Ramondo tweeted back at one of them in the segment how when he broke his nose, they were saying some horrible things to him to get off the field, right? It, it's what fans do. So to get all triggered and emotional and sad about it and get on Twitter and complain, like that just – It comes with the territory. To me, it says that you're, you're, you're holier than thou, and that's why that's literally why everyone hates you as a fan base is, is these little instances. <laughs> and I stand by that, right? Like these are the things that fan bases that no one likes do. And yeah, I hate Seattle. Well, and, and then I mean, just look at the dynamic of the game. You know, Kellen Rowe goes down what 80th ish minute, 83rd, 82nd, whatever. RSL at this point is building up a lot of attack. They have good opportunities. I think Yakison a couple minutes earlier just blasted one barely over the bar. We're building attack. We have momentum. We have the opportunity, and it feels like Seattle's just milking the clock, wasting time, and the ref aren't the referees not doing anything about it. So that's why two. When Kellen Rowe goes down, it's just in the dynamic of what's happening on the field. And like I said, in those like five, six minutes that we just didn't play, the attack, whatever attacking momentum Arsenal kind of had, just kind of died and fizzled out because of how long, you know, the game was stopped. And again, it just felt like a, a time-wasting tactic, unfortunately. Yeah. Also, it wasn't made up on the back end, right? We only got three minutes of stoppage in this match. Which is insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. When the league average seems to be about seven to nine minutes. So you could kind of tell, like, yeah, it it was bad officiating. And tempers are going to flare. And people are going to say some things. And uh, even though our cell show is under the KSL Sports umbrella, uh, we are a podcast. We are the blog boys. Uh, we get to say we're we're free to say some stuff on Twitter, and and we did about the refs and uh, made some people quite upset. And it's funny that they they choose to get out of all the things, man. They get upset over the refs. Listen, um, this game was poorly officiated. Uh, somebody said referee abuse. Uh, yeah, dude, if you deserve it, if you're a horrible ref, you deserve to you you deserve an earful. Um, there were, let's see, four yellow cards for RSL. One turned into the red card. So that's five just on RSL side. And then you got, and then you got three yellow cards on Seattle for eight total. That is, that's just, it's, that's not even a common practice. You're lucky to get between one to three a game. Um, even in the most craziest of situations, maybe four, uh, but to kind of, I don't know if he was going for the record of most cards pulled in a game, but it is ridiculous. It's, it's poor. And we hope that, you know, pro referees would, would take a look at this and at least look at it from the way that everybody else is seeing this and not just try to protect one of their own. And I love that you bring up the yellow cards because I want to ask you guys a question. If you're Pablo Mastroeni in that moment, in in the in that second half, you're building on the attack. You have all these attacking spirits, and you have opportunities to go get the goal. But you have guys like Ruiz, Oviedo, Glad, who have been committing challenge after challenge all second half. You, as a coach, do you maybe take off those players to avoid a red card like Pablo Ruiz got, or? Do you leave them on to continue that attack? Uh, you know, that one's a coin toss, right? Because the, the referee is showing that he has a pattern. Um, 
you know, you're, you're risking a second yellow for these guys or honestly you're, you're risking putting on fresh legs and getting straight red. Right. So it, it's really a coin toss. Um, the referee is showing time and time again, like with the Ojeda yellow card, for example, you don't have to touch a guy to get a yellow apparently. Uh, so you're kind of, your hands are tied. Right. And, and in that situation, there's really nothing he can do to mitigate or, you know, prevent any kind of issue like that. I, it's unfortunate because when referees decide to take the game into their own hands like this, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, there's, there is nothing you can do. Like you're, you're expecting the referees to behave consistently. And I don't even know if the word is behave, but it's almost like operate consistently uh, throughout the league, right? Like this isn't something, I mean, the, the last time that we had seen something like this was Ted Uncle. Um, it's been a minute, yeah. And it, it's just weird. Like you can really just kind of pinpoint it down to like, hey, when was the last time that this something like this happened? And uh, Pablo did come out in training today and he commented on the poor officiating. So he knows it. Uh, everybody else knows it. Um, some of us just call it for what it is. And, and that was, it was bullshit. It was a bullshit performance uh, from the referees. And I know that a lot of fans tend to say that when things aren't going their way, but I mean, I, I was fine with the zero zero draw at home, right? Like we have a tough stretch at home. Seattle's a good team. I'm cool with the draw, but if the if the officiating is that poor, you gotta call it what it is, and it was bullshit. Well, and even even as a Seattle fan or a Seattle player or member of the coaching staff, it wasn't going well for them on the referee side either, right? I can see both sides being upset at the referee, and it's fair. Um, but what I really kind of want to dig into is how do you guys feel about the how do I say this? How RSL fans are now being known as the meanest fans in the league, which is something that Fry said again, but I've heard it from multiple players throughout the years that RSL fans are vicious and mean. And, you know, no one wants to play here because of that. What, how do you guys feel about that? Because personally I wear it as a badge of honor. Um, I think it makes it harder to play here. I absolutely love fans getting after players. I think it's necessary. And honestly, like if a player can't handle it, that's on them and they need to be mentally tougher. Right. So I, I want to know how, what you guys feel about this. And no, I a hundred percent agree. Um, you know, for so long, this was the fortress, right? This was the, the, one of the toughest, if not the toughest place to play in major league soccer. And I think in order to get back to that status, we we need the fan base to be to be mean. We need the fan base to make it a fortress, right? And if it takes a couple, a little bit of taunting, a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it, then so be it. Like Josh said, wear it as a badge of honor. Let's do it. Let's make this a fortress again. Uh, I will say this, talking from experience, though, dude. Like we're it, today's trash talk is softball compared to the vicious the just the stuff that was said and how aggressive and gruesome the South end used to be like, we're like, it is Disney PG rated today. And back in the day, like, I mean, it, you, it was you, 
a player could have gone up there and fought every single South goal supporter and it would have been warranted. Like it would have been like, yeah, dude, he just said something about your grandma. Like go for it. You know, go, go get in a fist fight. Josh, come right. on. You got to talk All to right, that. Dude. Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't just the South goal. It was section 26. It was section 35. It was section 34. We, we loved giving it to him. And I was going to throw in, obviously there's the caveat, please don't be racist. Please don't be homophobic, misogynist, anything like that. But but get after them, right? Get after them smart. Use the smart digs that, you know, don't just go, you suck, right? That that doesn't do anything. Look up their stats, right? Just find something that's going to get to them, and it'll get to them, and it'll affect their performance. And there's really nothing better than that moment you see the fan base get into that player's head and ruin their evening. There, there's nothing better. <laughs> I could lose the game, but knowing we got in that guy's head and, and gave him an evening – it's one of the best feelings as a fan. Yeah. It's the benefit of the, the seating in America first field. You're, you're so close. And uh, yeah. Um, Alex, you had something more to add, bro. Uh, no, I think, I think Josh just accidentally pushed the button, but we're good. Gotcha. So uh, what I'm going to say is uh, the only highlight of the night that the RSL show tweeted out, which is kind of sad is Brian Vera just kicking the shit out of a soccer ball into a young female's face. Um, we hope she's okay. It's like, I'm not laughing about it. I don't think it's funny. I, it hurts, dude. I've been, I was on the North goal just during warmups one time and I like threw my hand out to try and stop a ball. And you got to remember the balls in MLS are inflated. It feels like a stone has just been hurled at you. And so to have Brian Vera, this muscular dude, thighs the size of I don't know what, just kick the living shit out of this ball. And you're 15 feet away and your face stops it? My God, dude. Like, the girl's got a chin, dude. I would have been out cold. I would have died. I would have needed to be stretched out. I would be opening my lawsuit right now. I'd be missing teeth, dude. I'd be making millions of dollars, and I would be doing it all in a Brian Vera jersey signed by everybody on the team because I would be asking for the world. And instead, this girl who appears to be like late teens, early 20s, took it like a champ. Yeah, and obviously, like, you, you don't want to see guys booting the ball into the stands, right? Like, yeah. there was a New York player that did it a few years ago. That was out of frustration, uh, though, right? But Vera with a clearance, yeah. like, just, but still. Yeah, and still. Yeah, and he probably wasn't aware at the time of how close he was to the sideline, I'm assuming. But you still never want to see the guys, like, clear the ball out like that, right? But it, it does happen. It's sports, it, it's whatever. Uh, but I did appreciate that he recognized what happened immediately, ran over to check on her. I hope the team got her a kit, you know, took care of him for the rest of the night. Uh, but yeah, it is unfortunate and it does not feel good. Um, I've also been smacked in the face by a ball a few times. It's horrible. And she did take it like a champ. So props to her. Um, but hopefully the, the team can learn from this and be a little more aware of where they're at on the field uh, and not have that happen again. In that in that aspect, right? If it's a shot or whatever, that's one thing. But a clearance is a little tough to to swallow there. Yeah, Alex, you had something to say, dude. They did. They did give her. They, they went. He went over after the game. I watched it. It was very nice and sweet. He got the extra jersey. 
signed it, the whole shebang. I feel like if it would have hit Alex Napolis in the face, bro, like you you would have been crying, <laughs> dude. You'd still be crying right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those things hurt, dude. Yeah, dude. Those things we're hurt. Calling for the magic spray. Yeah. <laughs> for, pe- for people who maybe think we're just like wussies or something, dude. No, like a a a, a major league soccer ball that's inflated to just the right pressure kicked by an athlete hurts dude like hurts it's not like an indoor soccer hurt it's not like a it's not like a little you know it's not it's not like a chubby kid like me uh playing on the it team and kicks the soccer ball at you and it hits you in the stomach it's not it's not that this is a paid professional athlete monster just a muscular dude just hitting ripping this thing uh Dude, I feel so bad for her, man. Glad glad that she was okay, because that could have been far worse. Absolutely. Had she not been looking at the ball. Oh, dude. Like that, or just took awful. it square on the nose or something. Like, I mean, <laughs> yep. the, ideally, the side of your face is not the place. I mean, you don't want to get hit in the face at all. But, the man, like, if she would have just been looking at it, dude, like, that's that's a broken nose, maybe a cut, scar. And, ugh, yikes. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, just uh, yeah, it's 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 a zero zero draw for Real Salt Lake. Um, take the one points at home against Sounders, and now we just move on to the next one. The club's favorite saying: uh, We've got the Houston Dynamo uh, away match, and I just kind of want to know your guys' thoughts on that. How are you guys are feeling? Are you guys feeling confident going into this one? Uh, and also, what do you think we might see uh, lineup-wise? Oh, Alex, before we go into that, dude, I'll let you take that over. Diego Luna goes plays for the Monarchs, gets a brace. My initial, my 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 reactionary thought, and I like Diego Luna. I I like him. I think he's creative. I think he's great. But it made me think: Is he just MLS next pro good? Is he USL good or you know what I mean? Like, is he just at good at that level or does he need more minutes to break in with, with Real Salt Lake? We've seen a few glimpses. So tell me your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah. I I think he needs more time with the first team. Um, If he's doing, he's able to do it in the next pro in the USL. um, There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do it in MLS. Right. I, th- I just think he needs to have more minutes with the first team, more MLS minutes, um, in order to truly, truly give him a chance to see what he um, to see what he can do. He also commented today that he liked playing in like that ten role, um, and because he was talking about it, he had some comments to say. Uh, Josh, I think you have more of those comments. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, he needs to play at the ten. That's his spot. That's where he's comfortable, and that's exactly what he said today. Um, you can tell he's frustrated with the lack of minutes. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're not playing with a 10, and that's extremely unfortunate. It makes you kind of wonder why we picked him up if we knew we weren't going to play with a 10. Um, but I wish they would figure out a way to play him at the 10 because I think it could be very, very good for RSL uh, because I, I rate this guy and I, I want him to succeed. Excellent. Very cool. Did I, I think that's a, a really well thought out. Uh, and I think uh, collectively our soul show, you know, we, we, we get on players, right? Like we don't usually agree, but I think that this is one that we could agree on with everything that you just said. 
Cool. So Houston Dynamo on the horizon, the Dynamos of Houston. Um, by the way, let's just, before we get that, there's three teams in Texas. There's Austin FC, FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo. Out of the three teams, guys, who are your, like, which one's your favorite? If you had to pick one, let's say you move to Texas and you need to pick one. Which team are you supporting and why? Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I'm going straight bandwagon and Austin have seeing it. You know, they're the new guys. They have the nicest stadium. They have the best support, the coolest jerseys. Um, no, no offense to Houston or FC Dallas, but you know, the FC Dallas stadium. Yes, it's soccer specific, but it's already looking like a junior college stadium. And I don't love their kits. Uh, you know, it's kind of lame. They do have the Jason Christ history, but I'm not a big Dallas guy. And then Houston's just always the, the reborn earthquakes for me. Um, don't don't love it, right? One of my least favorite players, Brian Ching, played there. And I just don't love Houston either. So I'm going Austin FC with the cooler jerseys. And that's literally how I'm basing my uh my decision here. Who's got the best kit? All right, Alex. Can I guess yours, Alex? Can I guess who you would support? I Go for I, it. I look at you, bro, and I, I say you just your face just screams FC Dallas. No? I'm, go- I'm going Houston, bro. I even wore the orange today for Houston. Wow. All right. Tell us why. Um, Just because they're a rough team, you know? They've had a lot of rough years, and for some reason, I just tend to, to levitate toward teams that are that were rough and are now showing glimpses of life. Very cool. Uh, this is crazy. This is like the first time that we've all been split. I'd go FC Dallas, dude. Uh, I think... Yeah, I th- I would go FC Dallas, man. I think um I know you mentioned some good stuff about like the stadium kind of falling apart, feeling like a a pretty um I don't know, just like a, a team that's kind of falling I, come on. Like it's basically the RSL of Texas. Um <laughs> they just have more options there, right? But what I like what they do with the roster, man. Like they're able to get players like you know, Paul Ariola, uh Jesus Ferreira, um, I don't want to throw Sebastian Legette onto there because I don't think that's very impressive. But um, just to having like a just have like an attacking duo to have an identity like that um, is is pretty dope. And they're one of the most historied. You know, started in 1996. Is the logo kind of dumb? Yeah. Uh, are the jerseys stupid? Yeah. Uh, do you guys remember the Advocare sponsor that took like 80 percent of the jersey a few years back? Absolutely horrible. Um, but I don't know what it is about that team. That's who I'd go with. So anyways, all right, Alex, we're going to throw this over to you, dude. The Houston Dynamo fan, Houston Dynamo till he dies. Uh, give us your preview for real Salt Lake. Give us a little rundown of, of how you think things may go for RSL down in Houston. Um, it's going to be a tough game no matter which way you look at it. Um, Houston right now are playing really, really good at home. They got four straight clean sheets at home. Um, they've they're probably the best home start that they've had ever in their history since they moved to Houston. But RSL, you know, they're showing life. They're they're playing a lot better than they were at the beginning of the year. They're doing a lot. Um, they're just playing a lot better. They're playing a better brand of soccer, in my opinion. But regardless, I think it'll be a tough matchup, um, no matter which way you look at it. Um, a draw, I think, would be. Obviously, um, the most, the best. You want the three points, but I think a draw is, it really is the realistic of what we're looking at for RSL in Houston. 
Yeah, you know, to kind of uh, go over what you said, so the results over their last uh, few matches are pretty decent. And yeah, let's just go back to April. So, you know, the 1st of April, not too, not the best result. It's San Jose. Uh, they get beat 2-1. But then they go on the very next weekend to play against LA Galaxy 3-0. Uh, then they draw with the New York Red Bulls 1-1. Then they go to Miami. They they play Inter-Miami 1-0. Um, whatever. They get a win in their U.S. Open Cup uh, versus the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a side that's actually getting results. And if, if we go back a little bit to the beginning of the season, um, yeah, I mean, there's a few draws and... And it, there's even a win, you know, um, way back in February against the the Dynamo. So it looks like, you know, this is a team that also has been getting, I've, I feel like I've just been seeing more of them lately on the highlight reel, um, especially with uh, Ache Ache, that's Hector Herrera for those of you that look like Josh. Um I, I, I just feel like, yeah, they're, they're a, they're a pretty decent opponent, but I'm going to kind of maybe one up you dude. And I think that real salt Lake pulls a win off in Houston, man. I think that we're due for it. Um, you know, one, one factor, and I hope that he gets more minutes is Yakison in the last, this last match, dude, it was refreshing. I tweeted, it. it was refreshing soccer, right? To see this guy, not only have the creativity, but the control on the ball, the pace on the ball, and then also not being selfish. Um, there were times where he would just kind of like lay it off for somebody to take a shot. Uh, but unfortunately they, they wouldn't take a shot. They would just like dribble it out to the corner or pass back. Um, I think that if we try to keep the roster somewhat young and a little experimental in this one, I think we've got a shot. I think, I think Real Salt Lake's got a shot. Yeah. I honestly think if we play like we did against Seattle, and some guys a little more selfish, uh, we could get a win in Houston. I, I don't have a doubt. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, that's going to be Saturday, uh, May 6th. Uh, kickoff is a little bit early at 630 uh, Mountain Standard Time. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes from that match. And then also, I just have to mention this because it's on their schedule. Uh, after, <laughs> after Houston plays Real Salt Lake and whatever, whatever, which way the result goes, their open cup opponent on Wednesday, May 10th is against Sporting KC, which, which dude, the SKC, man, my goodness, bro. I've never seen them this hurt and it's just, it, I just love it so much. To have their players, you know, go out and interview the way that they did after that match oh yeah something's bad something's wrong with that club it it was so tough to watch um those interviews yeah yeah you've got you've got players saying like i don't know what's going on uh i've never seen the club this way uh you had roger espinoza saying but roger Espinosa kind of defending the coach uh vermis saying well it's not him playing out there it's us but uh, there's a lot of similarities, um, whether you like it or not, with Real Salt Lake and SKC in the sense that they held on to a lot of like their veteran players 
and a lot of those players are still starting and getting minutes and look at the results uh you could argue that we are maybe closer to that identity than like a club like lafc or even a club like seattle um we're close to that right and uh so yeah they've they've got to mix something up and for as for as uh for as hopeful and as uh you know good things might be looking uh for recently with real salt lake between like wins and draws there's still a little piece of me that kind of wishes that we would be experiencing what skc is obviously it's not fun to cover that but you need a shakeup and you need players to just start calling out coaches and and all of that so i feel like we reset the clock and and it's so true the the last record what was the stat like 20 something matches i can't remember um that we were winless well when we do get a win or we get a draw it seems like we all salt lake fans were all so quick to forget and it's like all of a sudden things are okay and we're happy but in real in reality uh we're sitting 10th and west right now and we're not that far off from being an skc no, and I think this month, the month of May for RSL, is going to be a really difficult month. Um, and it'll really test to see where our depth is. It'll really test to see where the confidence of the team is. You know, so many factors because we have, obviously, the away trip to Houston this weekend. You've got a midweek U.S. Open Cup to Portland. you got LAFC at home. And then you got another trip to, or another game against Portland. And then you got Colorado. And then you got another mid-game week. And then you have Minnesota, and then you have another mid-game week. So there's so many mid-game weeks this month. It's going to be a, a lot of soccer and, and a lot of tests for ourselves to see where we really are uh, uh, as a team. Yeah. Josh, am I wrong to say that, man? Listen, dude, I feel like we've we've switched roles, bro. Yeah. I feel like I'm like Debbie Downer, Eeyore over here. And I know that lately you've been a little bit more optimistic. So do you have a problem with like what I've said? Because we've actually gotten that feedback recently that we're so negative and we're like just wrong. So Josh, am I wrong to say what I just expressed? No. And and we've, we actually talked about that a few weeks ago, how you win a game or pick up some results and, and suddenly everyone forgets essentially kind of like what you said. Um, but it, at this point, one loss and everyone's back on the, the pissed off train, right? But you do have to give credit when credit's due. And I think that's what we're doing. You know, we we showed well versus Seattle. We looked absolutely abysmal versus Las Vegas. And that's just the way it is. Um, and, and as we say, you know, we we want to see results string together. You know, a result here and there is fine. But I want to see 10 straight games with a result, right? And then I'll be happy. But as of now... We're still in 10th place, like you said, right? We're still under the playoff line. It's still not acceptable. Um, but if they can turn it around, we've also said this, we'll eat crow and say, cool, we turned it around and we look good. So let's pick one, right? Let's pick one going forward. Let's see what we can do. And, and Houston's a great test for this exact thing. And and honestly, the next five games is, is a great stretch to see how good RSL really is. Very cool. Well, with that, I feel like it's a good time to wrap up. Unless, Alex, you have any closing thoughts to it? Anything else to add or to say on today's episode? Uh, no, just make sure to go like, subscribe, and follow our YouTube page um, because we'll be posting a lot more content on there. 
Yep, the RSL show. And I guess before we wrap it up, let's go over some of the league results. Um, in I believe it's what was is it week ten? Man, week nine or week ten? Yes. Week ten? Okay, last week, right? Yeah. Last weekend. Um, so you've got Nashville beating Atlanta United, uh, three one. Um, Inter Miami surprisingly, or not surprisingly, uh, getting a, a a result over Columbus and. Um, I believe that was scored by the same player. Did it was Leonardo Campana with a brace, a goal in the seventh minute and a goal in the forty-first, uh, playing the nine, dude. I literally said this last episode. The people getting the highlights, guess what they're playing as? They're playing as the nine. The people who are getting the league attention, who are ending up on the IG stories, the reels. Guess what? Nines scoring goals and dude that dude looks solid bro leo campana solid dude um very promising stuff out of inter miami um orlando city uh getting a result over la galaxy over my beloved chicharito uh, alex is also shaking his head i think he's got a deep love for chicha as well um <laughs> But, uh, dude, a really funny picture came out of that match, dude. Or Chicharito's just pulling his – he's, like, on the – yeah. He's on the ground. Let me just paint a picture for you guys who are driving the target right now. Um, he's on the ground on his knees, and he's just – he's got, the like, the top of his shorts, and he's pulling them, and he's stretching them. And, like, you can see, like, his underwear and all that and his thighs or whatever, but his, like, his shorts are so stretchy that he's pulling these shorts up, like, literally almost to his face. And uh, it's actually just one of the best pictures to come out of uh, out of MLS in a while, dude. It's so funny. Um, New England and Cincinnati, they draw 1-1. Uh, DC United got a 3-0 win over Charlotte FC. Uh, Toronto beat New York City FC 1-0. Chicago, New York Red Bulls 1-1. Uh, Portland got a win against St. Louis 2-1. Um, damn dude, St. Louis, man, they were, they were incredible in the beginning of the season, but now they're getting that humble piece of pie. Like Josh ordered for them. Uh, Austin and the, the, meat, the meat grinders just setting in as all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Austin and San Jose draw two, two. I love the earthquakes, man. I, I have always, I always say every match. I, I don't know why, uh, Montreal beat. SKC 2-0, bro. I think one of the worst teams in the league, huh? Are they pretty bad too, man? Two, two of the worst teams in the league <laughs> going head-to-head. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. You know what they should Shout do? Out. MLS should, like, you know how they have some, like, the one-off Sunday matches? You know how we saw El, Classi- or El Trafico on Sunday? Yeah. Like, uh, I think that, like, week 10, dude, it'd be fun if they just, it's like the worst, whoever's in the worst, they get to play on that Sunday. And just be highlighted. <laughs> Tune in for like the worst soccer that you'll ever see. Um, but anyways, Montreal gets a 2-0. Happy for Aaron Herrera. I don't even know if he's on the roster playing. I, I don't know his situation. Is he playing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's starting. Yeah. Right. yeah, he's starting. <laughs> cool. Either way, if he wasn't playing or playing, I don't care. I'm just happy for Aaron. God, I miss him. I miss him so much. Uh, Real Salt Lake, obviously, Sounder, 0-0 draw. And then Vancouver, Colorado, 0-0 draw, which uh, I think if we're paying attention to Colorado a little bit, I know we're going to obviously be playing them soon. 
I'm curious as to where they are in the standings because I always feel like we kind of sit close to them. Yeah, they're right, they're, right by us. And so uh, they're still below us. Yeah, so, yeah. so a draw is actually a, a great thing, right? That's always feel like that's the team to keep an eye on don't you think josh like however they kind of tend to do like we're just kind of right there with them usually absolutely we're we're very alike in a lot of ways which is unfortunate yeah yeah colorado wishes they were salt lake man honestly except you know in 2021 where they finished first in the west and we barely made it into the playoffs yeah that was nuts dude um oh and then minnesota fc dallas uh a match on on Sunday, highlighted match zero zero, just draws zero zero. And for context too, um, there were a few there were a few matches that ended zero zero, uh, goalless, right? And it was just the the matches towards the end of the night, and then uh, and then Sunday also. So a few uh, a few match previews too. If you guys are curious, um, Saturday May sixth, obviously. We're playing the Dynamo, uh, but some just some fun matchups that you guys want to maybe keep an eye on or just, I don't know, switch to and from. I think LAFC and San Jose uh, will be a fun match to watch. Um, kind of rivals, kind of not, but kind of. It's really complicated. Um, that seems like it'd be a fun matchup. Um, also, I'm just kind of looking down the list. I don't really see any others except for Portland. Austin might be a little bit uh, fun to watch. Uh, LA Galaxy in Colorado. I think that'll be a fun uh, match to watch as well. And oh man, dude, Sunday, May 7th. Guys, Seattle Sounders are playing Sporting KC at 2.30. Day game, dude. I I might tune into that one just to see the Sounders just kick the living trash out of SKC. That sounds like a lot of fun. That's the Sunday game this week? That's the Sunday game, May 7th at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Guys, tune in. Um, all RSL show listeners, listen, if you're listening to this, uh, if SKC just gets it handed to them, please uh, tag the club and then especially tag Cavincio and just, like, send your condolences. <laughs> um, send your condolences because they, they need I, it. Yeah, but I don't want to talk crap too much because they could turn it around against RSL and then that'll be the most horrible feeling on the planet. You got to have a little bit more faith in that, dude. Uh, I just get scared. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate uh, you guys watching or not watching, but listening. Um, we do uh, podcast episodes weekly. Sometimes we do two a week. Just really depends. Also, uh, shout out to Alex Napolis for doing his first solo episode you did a good job dude nice work um he put out a solo episode you guys go back listen to that let us know in the reviews what you think of him also shoot us a dm let us know if we should keep intern alex or if we should fire him um if there's enough fires we might just do it so my uh my one year is right around the corner so this is my contract renewal what dude one year oh my gosh dude when's your one year what what month what day uh, next month, next month, June 1st, June 1st. Dang, dude. Yeah. Wow. All right. We still got to send the, the general allocation money of the gam dude over to, uh, El show RSL. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Cool guys. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, the RSL show, catch it on all of your favorite podcast apps, but also go check out kslsports.com. There's a lot of cool, uh, writers. There's a lot of people who write about the real salt Lake team that we also love. 
uh, that we all love. Did I say that right? That we also love. And um, also, uh, while you're there at KSL Sports, uh, make sure to check the schedule because every pre, mid, and post, uh, our friends over at KSL Sports are always doing the uh, just basically like the uh, yeah the just that pre, mid, and post. So go listen to them, and we will see you guys on the next episode at RSL Show on all social media. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great.